Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Take care, not perform righteous deeds, in order that people may see them. Otherwise, you will have no recompense from your Heavenly Father. When you give alms, do not blow a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets to win the praise of others. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your arms giving may be secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will repay you. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that others may see them. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go to your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will repay you. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They neglect their appearances so that they may appear to others to be fasting. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you may not appear to be fasting. Except your father, who is hidden, and your father, who sees what is hidden, will repay you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. When I was about 11, 12 years old, I developed a real taste for pop, soda, soft drinks. I started kind of banking them, hiding them in my room, because we were only supposed to have them on Friday and Saturday nights. But I, I, I'd sneak them and keep them in my room, and then I'd have them when I was supposed to. And my folks, of course, caught wise to it, and they started getting on me. You rot your teeth out. You get fat. I especially like Mountain Dew, and so my dad would tease me and say, you won't be able to have kids. <laughs> so the way he finally got me off of it was my dad had a gas station over on the east side. And on Saturdays, we'd get brought over his kids to do chores at the store. And one particular Saturday, he brought me over and he gave me a wire brush and a whole raft of steel wool. And he set me to work on the soda fountain. 
If you've never seen the inside of a soda fountain, you've never lived, and you don't need to. <laughs> it was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen, and I've been a lot of dark, icky places since then. It is still the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. The syrup that feeds into the fizzy water, right, the carbonated water, would, would catch inside the fountain, and of course, all of those toxic chemicals, the things he was worried about my fertility with, all of those things would literally eat through the metal. Bits of plastic would fall off, and it stunk terrible. I know the pop, when it goes in the glass and up to our mouth, it doesn't smell bad, but, but inside, it's rank. And it would literally eat metal. And I looked at that and I thought, I am never putting that in my gut ever again. And it worked. To this day, I'll have a little ginger ale when I'm sick, or maybe mix a little something in some rum. And apart from that, I really don't drink pot. People used to do this with dogs, right? Now we've learned dogs don't actually respond to this kind of behavior, but it's because we thought that dogs thought kind of like we do. We react well to aversion therapy. We learn by patterning that something's bad for us, that it's unpleasant, right? I, I know a particular bishop who only drinks red wine for this reason, uh, that, that we won't go back to it, huh? Well, today, today, the church works this into a kind of aversion therapy. We rub ashes on our faces, kind of like rubbing a dog's nose in it or making your kid clean up a mess that they've made to remind us, this is your body on sin. This is what becomes of you if you don't get your act together. Look around just for a minute. This is the strangest thing that happens all year, right? The, the church is as full today as it will be any other day of the year. This looks like Christmas or Easter or Guadalupe, and yet, there's no way to make today's message positive, right? All the people that write books about how to make churches work, what makes a successful parish, right? Positive messaging, building community, nicey, nicey, nicey. No! Repent! Believe in the gospel! Get your stuff together! You're a mess! <laughs> and for some reason that I don't totally understand, but I very much relate to, that brings you all in. There's some of you, I know, I'm not going to see for another year, but there's some part of you inside that goes, he's right. I am a mess. And at least once a year, it's really useful to have somebody just be honest about it and just say, there is part of my life and part of your life that is deeply, deeply messed up, that is in need of real change, not like moderate change. This isn't a diet you're going on, right? No, this is a lifestyle choice. It's a change of pattern and habit and of being. And if you are faithful, if you can make it just for six weeks off the sweets, off the booze, off the meat, off your favorite TV show, your life can change. Everything can be different. I'm going to share just two or three little penances, real little physical mortifications that have genuinely changed my life in the hopes that they or something like them might help you. I will put the seat in my car 
in the most uncomfortable position I can find. Not, I'm short, so like I have to be able to reach the pedals. But, so not so it's dangerous, but just enough that it's uncomfortable. And that as I drive, I have to think a little bit about how my butt feels. And that awareness of my own body causes me to focus better so that then when I get where I'm going, I can be more present to the people that are there. I'll sleep with one less pillow. I prefer two pillows, but I'll sleep with just one, which gives me a little bit of a crink in my neck. But for that whole morning, while my neck is working itself back out, I'm more aware of myself and of the people around me. And I can be more attentive to their needs, maybe even mindful that they might have a crink in their neck or someplace else. But the one that has made the biggest difference in my life, and you that are regulars here have heard this, but I'll keep telling the story again because because this was a game changer and it's the dumbest thing in the world. Get in the longest line. When you go to the store, and I know like there's a couple high V managers that are here that are probably gonna get mad at me because I get that it gums the works, but do not get in the shortest line, the path of least resistance. On purpose, obstacle yourself. Force yourself to slow down. I did this once by accident. I had a, a really contentious meeting over at the office one morning, and we were out of like milk and bread and, and eggs. And so I had to run to the store, and for reasons I still don't understand, instead of getting in the short line, I got in the long one. And I was really irritated, because I'm not very patient by temperament. Some of you have experience with that. And, and I, I was tense and anxious, and I was really upset at the old lady in front of me who had a billion coupons and paid in pennies. But by the time we were done, the tension was gone. I hadn't yelled at anybody. I wasn't going to pop off at the cashier. Not her fault. The old lady's got the coupons. And all of that angst was just wasted energy. And so what I found is when I make myself get in the longest line, really or figuratively, it forces me to be patient with myself and with other people in a way that I am not inclined to on my own. Your fasting, your prayer, your almsgiving this Lent, that's what they're designed to do. It's not to make you into a spiritual superstar. It's not to be able to say, I went 40 days without fill in the blank. It's to learn to say no to yourself again. Most of us have to learn to say no to ourselves as children to develop the skills necessary to be grown-ups. But then we get grown-up, and rather than being lean and mean, we get kind of fat and sassy. And so we need to exercise discipline when otherwise we wouldn't have to. It's different than training for a marathon or trying to lose weight. It's not the same as, 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 as changing patterns simply for the sake of health, though this can be done healthily. Rather, it's for its own sake. Because if I can learn to say no to myself with something as simple as cream in my coffee or ketchup on my fries, then maybe, just maybe the next time I'm faced with sin, I might be able to say no again. And then maybe, maybe when I'm faced with the opportunity to do something really heroic, really merciful, really gratuitous, then maybe I'll have the strength to say a yes that I would not have on my own. So rub your face with ashes today. Let yourself be covered with a reminder of your own sin and listen to the words. Remember, you were dust. 
and to the dust you will return. But you don't have to stay that way. If you want to live, if you want to really live, and if you want to make Lent work for you the way it's meant to, don't stop with the discipline. Make space for the grace. That's why we don't just impose ashes, why we do this at Mass. Because if you can take in the Lord's own body and blood, if you can receive the presence of the one who came to save you, who showed us this pattern of fasting, then you won't have to die. The fathers of the desert used to say, if you die before you die, you won't have to die when you die. And that's why we impose ashes tonight. Not only to remember death, but to live forever.